Hey, here's Natalia, and you're listening to another episode of my podcast where I talk about adult learning strategies and the methodology of achieving native like fluency in the English language. I have developed a system of exercises to achieve native like fluency, which had to work for myself in the first place. I desperately needed to improve my German skills when I lived in Germany because all the language tests that I had done. All the certificates that I <laughs> had acquired by that time were simply not enough. If you are an advanced level student, if you already got your proficiency certificate, or maybe if you're an English teacher who feels that whatever you know doesn't feel like enough, and you definitely know that there is potential for more, you're just not sure how to live up to it, how to realize that potential. Stay tuned. I am doing my best, and that's my life's work, to explain to people how they can continuously improve their language skills on their own, how they can use their own conscious, deliberate effort to hone their English skills and to change the way they speak, the way they behave when it comes to communicating in a foreign language. And the way they hear other people and themselves. In the system of exercises, there are nine skills. And in this episode, we're going to talk about one of them brevity. A lot of people struggle with brevity because they say they can't find the words to express their ideas in a very succinct yet powerful way. They want to sound like they have something compelling to say. So, how do you develop brevity? How do you cultivate the skill of brevity? This is what this episode is going to be about. In this episode, I'm going to share a few unobvious observations and tips to practice brevity. So, if you're someone who is interested in learning to learn, if you're already on this path, and if you're someone who appreciates practice rather than talk, Stay tuned and let's get right into it. As soon as learners realize the power of brevity in their everyday conversations, during their daily stand ups, or during their daily Zoom calls with colleagues, as soon as people realize the importance of brevity at work, at home, and As soon as they see how brevity impacts clarity and how it helps them to be more clear when they speak English, they immediately set out to practice brevity. They say, Oh, I absolutely need the skill. Give me more exercises to practice brevity. I teach brevity. It's one of the nine essential skills in the system of exercises to achieve native like fluency. And before I give any exercises, I check in with the person. To make sure we're on the same page, I check in with their understanding of what brevity is. So I ask them, What is brevity for you? And I'm looking at what people do to achieve brevity. Most people think that practicing the skill of being brief means punishing themselves for saying long winded sentences, for being not very clear. For rambling and mumbling and rumbling too. They punish themselves for thinking out loud. 
They punish themselves for not knowing what to say, for not having enough vocabulary to say what they think they want to say, but they're not really sure because they haven't said it out loud before. They see the practice of, of developing gravity as a punishment. And if you continuously punish yourself for thinking out loud and searching for your truth, because that's why we talk to one another, sometimes, and actually very often, people need to start talking to even understand what it is that they want to say. We're thinking out loud. And we're helping ourselves arrive at the idea that we need to express so much. And if you continuously punish yourself for not knowing what to say, for having this urge for clarity, you're doing this because you need clarity. So you need to say 10 sentences, maybe not very clear sentences, because you're trying to arrive at one clear sentence. And it needs to be clear for you in the first place. And if you punish yourself for exploring your own mind, for looking for your personal truth, for trying and failing and trying again, I don't see how you can achieve brevity. Brevity is not practiced by punishing yourself for saying what you can say today, for saying what you feel like saying today. In order to practice brevity, you need to understand the desired outcome and you need to understand where you are now and how far the distance is between where you are now and your desired outcome. Here is what I mean. Let me explain to you the process in steps. I suggest that you take pen and paper and you start taking notes because I'm going to introduce you to a structured approach to practicing brevity. The first thing that we want to remember and to remind ourselves of is that we are practicing brevity in a foreign language, which means we probably do not know all the words that we need. It's not very natural for us to use those word combinations that native speakers use every day. And if we want to change the way we speak, we have to look not inwardly, but outwardly. What do I mean by that? When you practice fluency, brevity, and clarity in a foreign language, you will not find the word combinations, those better word combinations than the ones that you usually and habitually use, you will not find them in your own memory. They simply do not reside there. Maybe they're somewhere in your passive vocabulary, but they live in your memory as fragments. And our job is to connect them into whole sentences and ideas and paragraphs. When our job is to make them whole by learning to connect them and by learning to establish relationships between those ideas and those words that live in our memory as fragments. We have seen those words before, but we haven't practiced enough to put them in sentences and to create our own um, thoughts, to write down our own ideas, or create our own or craft our own powerful statements. So we might know a lot, but we might have very little practice. And our job is to bridge the gap between what we know and what we can do. Instead of punishing yourself for not being able to remember the words you need, 
for not being able to find better words than the words you're using today. Look outwardly. Look at native speakers. Listen to how native speakers talk. Pay attention to eloquent speakers who have mastered the skill of brevity. We have to learn brevity from masters, from those people who are already good at it. If you're not good at brevity, you cannot be your own teacher. It's plain and simple. You want to learn from someone who is already good at it. But do not expect this someone to sit down in front of you and teach you what brevity is. They will teach you and you'll be taking notes. No, the learning process doesn't look this way. It never has. When I say be ready to learn from those people who understand the importance of brevity and who are good at the skill, it means be attentive to how they do it. When they speak, when they write, when they think out loud. It's very difficult to practice brevity when you talk about something you have never talked about before. Because essentially you're thinking out loud and you're looking for that gist, you're looking for the words to express the essence of what you want to say as you're talking. And you might end up saying more words than you actually need to express that idea. And that's okay. That's human nature. But the more you practice it, the more you practice reading well-structured, eloquent passages, the more you practice listening to those people who can articulate their ideas with clarity and brevity, the more you practice writing down your ideas and aiming at brevity, the easier it will come to you in spontaneous conversations. Look outwardly. Start paying deliberate and focused attention to those native speakers who are already good at it and who can teach you. So here is what we're going to do. I'm going to introduce you to an exercise that you can do every day or any day that you like. And every day, trust me, and every time it's going to feel new <laughs> and very, very interesting. First, you need to find a person, a speaker, an author that you want to learn from. If you don't read any English blogs, if you don't read any English books, if you don't have a favorite YouTube channel in English, meaning if you are not taking care of your English-speaking environment, step one is already going to be a very difficult task for you. Most students expect their teacher to tell them what to watch, what to listen to, and what to read, and what to write. If you want to become a curious, creative, and daring learner, learner, not a student, you need to prime your environment and you need to take care of your environment yourself. I'm going to tell you what I do, but it's your job to find those native speakers who inspire you, those people whom you want to learn from. James Clear is my role model for brevity. I read his newsletter, I listen to his book, and I think he's one of those rare people who understand what brevity is because he can do it. Every sentence, every passage that he writes is loaded with meaning, even though he uses very few words. I suggest that you subscribe to his newsletter and you read his blog 
if you want to understand what brevity even looks like, if you want to feel what it feels like, because trust me, you're going to feel it when you read a well-structured passage, when you read a quote that has only, let's say, 15 words, but you feel like you've read an entire book after reading just 15 words, because there's so much wisdom in it. So step number one, you find a role model, somebody you want to learn from. And step number two, you start learning. (laughs) How do you start learning? Step number two, uh, you have to... um, Organize your practice routine, meaning how often are you going to read, listen to, or watch content in English that you can use to practice brevity? With James Clear, it's very simple. I believe his newsletter arrives once a week, so I look at his texts once a week. He has a routine of sending his emails to people. I have a routine of reading his emails attentively. I listen to his audiobook when I commute, which means once a week, maybe twice a week and some weeks. And if I feel like I need more deliberate practice, I will find interviews with him and I will listen to him express his ideas in spontaneous conversations. Because text and audiobook, this is prepared speech. But I also want to learn how he does it in spontaneous conversations. That's why I will go and listen to podcast episodes where he is invited as a guest. Or I will go to YouTube and find interviews with him so that I can watch his body language and experience more than just his voice. Which is very helpful because I can learn more from him when I watch a video. So this was step number two. Step number three is you find a good example and you start examining those brief passages or those brief sentences very closely. I suggest that today we take a look at his summary of the book Mastery by George Leonard. He summarized the book in his blog post and I love the way he did it. First, he wrote a four-line paragraph where he summarized the book in three sentences. In the same post, he shares his notes that he took as he was reading the book. He says, my notes are informal and often contain quotes from the book as well as my own thoughts. The summary includes key lessons and important passages from the book. His notes are organized as bullet points, and I should say it's a pretty long list, but he summarized a book, not just an article. And I guess there were a lot of good ideas in that book. I see about 30 or 40 entries, maybe. So I have chosen this blog post because to me, it's incredibly clear and powerful. Every sentence, every statement here is so dense with meaning and it resonates with me so much. Let me show you what I mean. The book in three sentences. Let's read his summary of the entire book squeezed in three sentences. The most successful path to mastering anything is to practice for the sake of the practice itself, not for the result. All significant learning is composed of brief spurts of progress followed by long periods of work where it feels as if you're stuck on a plateau. There are no experts only learners. This is a very powerful paragraph. 
at least for me. I hope you can feel it as well. There are no unnecessary words here. Every word has its own place. Every word serves its purpose. There are no repetitions. There are no redundant words. There are no glue words. And indeed, these three sentences manage to tell a story. Now, let's have a look at his notes. I'm not going to read every item on this list because it's long, but I would like to show you a few examples that are powerful. And that's why we can learn brevity from these examples. For example, as we practice things, even though it feels like we're making no progress at all, we are turning new behaviors into habits. Learning is happening all along. One more time. As we practice things, even though it feels like we're making no progress at all, we are turning new behaviors into habits. Learning is happening all along. Now, the next thing I will do is I will explain what I have just read to myself in plain English. I will use the words that I know and I understand to explain this idea to myself, and I want to see what words I will use and how long it's going to take me to expand this idea and to explain it to myself. So the way I understand it is that learning happens at the moment of practice. And you see he differentiates learning and practice here. Most people probably think that the process of learning happens only in the classroom when a teacher sit down, sits down in front of you and starts teaching you something. And you, as a good student, you start absorbing all that knowledge and that means you're learning. Here, the focus is on practice. And as we practice things, to me, practice is something that we do regularly and something that we do with an intention to improve something that is not very developed. So when we practice things, we're not just learning something, we're not just consuming information, we're actually changing our behaviors. And when we practice something, we have to practice new behaviors. And when we have practiced this enough, these new behaviors become our habits. And when something becomes a habit, it becomes automatic. We don't think about it anymore. And even though you don't think about your practice as learning, there is no learning involved. I'm not in the classroom, I'm not listening to a lecture, I'm not interacting with a teacher, I'm not being evaluated, I'm not receiving grades, I'm not listening or reading or consuming any new information. Even though no learning, quote-unquote learning, is taking place as you practice new behaviors, learning is actually happening all along because you are learning to transform your behavior. Ooh, you see how much longer my explanation is. And, but I did it deliberately. And when you practice brevity, you have to remember one important skill. A brief version is always a condensed version of something that you can expand. And instead of practicing only brevity, in fact, you want to be practicing the skill of expanding and unfolding information and then condensing it and distilling it down to the very gist. 
expanding again and adding more details and adding more sensory language, adding examples, adding stories to explain what this short or brief statement means. We are not practicing the skill of being brief all the time. We are not punishing ourselves for needing more time to explain our ideas. And we don't want to speak like robots who never use filler words, never use any filler sounds, and communicate in quotes. No, we're human beings. And because we're human beings, we're capable of doing both. Expanding complex information, unfolding a story that needs unfolding because you need to exemplify what you mean. But at the same time, when necessary, you're able to package your big idea in one short statement. We need both skills. So here is the exercise I just did. I read one statement that is very brief and very powerful, and I checked my own understanding. Do I understand what it means? Do I have the words to explain this to myself? And it's okay if it's going to take me more time. It's okay if I will need more words. But I want to be very attentive to how I speak. Do I even have the words to explain this to myself? Because if I can't find the words to explain this to myself, there is no way I can explain it to other people. And if this happens to you, you're looking at something that you cannot explain to yourself. You can only repeat this mindlessly. You probably want to do a little bit more research what does the author even mean? So instead of examining the example of brevity here, you actually will want to go and read the extended version of this quote. You want to read the entire blog post, or probably you want to read the entire chapter from that book where the author makes this, made this conclusion. And then you will be able to understand more. We can only summarize something that is full of detail. We can summarize a book, we can summarize a conversation, we can summarize a story, a page, something that has enough details. So we have to have a look at a detailed version to be able to craft a summary. When you study brevity and when you practice brevity, you always have to remember to pay attention to both sides of the coin, the extended version and the brief version. You will not be able to craft a brief version if you don't know the detailed version. And if you practice telling only the detailed version of your story and you never examine examples of brevity, you never pay attention to clear, powerful, compelling language, you're not going to learn to tell a brief version of your story simply because you're not paying attention to how it's done. You can tell when somebody tells a compelling story. You can feel it when the quote is powerful and you want to learn it by heart. It's so good that you feel like you want to memorize the whole thing and use it in your next conversation with a colleague or a friend. You pay attention to how it feels, but you probably don't pay enough attention to how it is done. And that's what we need to learn to be attentive to as non-native speakers. Not just the effect it creates, but how it's actually done. What plays a big role? Usually, verbs, adjectives, and sentence structure.
are the things we have to pay attention to. Make sure that you use strong verbs and strong adjectives to communicate with more clarity. Strong verbs will also help you create brief and powerful sentences. A strong verb is an action verb. All the verbs that are not the verb to be and not the verb to have. Try not to start your sentences with there is or it is, especially if you don't know what it means in your sentence, especially if there is no reference for the word it in the previous sentences. Instead of starting your sentences with there is or it is, find your subject, put it at the beginning of your sentence, and make sure that a verb, a strong verb, follows. I actually have a few posts on my social media and in the community of practice with an entire list of strong verbs. If you have taken the sprint on clarity, you also have seen that lesson with a list of 300 and something strong verbs. And look, if you simply Google strong verbs, <laughs> you will find a ton of examples. Try to use verbs in your speech that help people see what's going on. It's very important that you are helping people imagine and experience what it is you're talking about. Your job is not to make them listen to you. Just listen. Your job is to help them understand what you mean. And people understand it very quickly when they can see it, when they can feel it, when they can imagine it. Let's take a look at another note made by James Clear in the same blog post. This note says, one benefit of learning slowly, it forces you to look deeply at the process and you discover incremental steps that you might otherwise gloss over if progress came easily. Now pay attention to the verbs and to the adjectives. Forces, look, come, discover, gloss over, you see? These verbs do the job here. One more time. One benefit of learning slowly. Learning is also a very strong verb because we immediately understand what he's talking about. It forces you to look deeply at the process. It forces you to look deeply at the process and you discover incremental steps. Incremental is a good adjective here. But you might otherwise gloss over, gloss over, if progress came easily. Progress came easily. Came, in this case, is a strong verb as well. If you try to explain this to yourself, you will probably end up saying a lot more than just one sentence, because I read one sentence, and he managed to package this idea in just one sentence. But do this. Take it as an exercise. Do what I did a few minutes ago. Expand this idea. Explain this to yourself. Do you have any experience of learning slowly? Do you agree with that? What do you think he means? You will know what he means if you have this experience. If you have the experience of learning slowly and allowing yourself to take a deep look at every step of the process. Because when you slow down, you start seeing more and you can discover more things and you can actually... Um, understand something in more depth. Try to expand this. And then 
condense it one more time. Step number four would be to pick your favorites. It's a very long list, and to be honest, some of his notes attract my attention immediately. Some of his notes sound and seem plain to me, because uh, I know these things and I have experienced them, but some of them are really profound. So I have picked my favorites. Make sure that you don't choose more than five so that you don't overwhelm yourself with a lot of new information. And look at this list again tomorrow, at the list of five selected phrases or sentences. Only five. And every day you look at them, ask yourself, do I see more here? Does it still sound and look powerful to me? Or is this power <laughs> fading away? You don't have to look at it every day for the rest of your life, <laughs> but probably for the next three days. Because if you see something once, chances are you're going to forget it and you're not going to pay enough attention to it. Remember what we have just read about learning slowly. Trust me, when you look at it tomorrow, you're going to see more. When you look at it the day after tomorrow, you're going to see new things. You're going to see something that you didn't notice today. And that's the power of iteration. You're repeating the experience but in fact it's not just a repetition it's a new iteration because you already know more when you look at it again and you are able to see more when you look at it again and the final step of this exercise is to practice summarizing something on your own here is what you can do you can and actually you should go back to your curated content i hope you are curating your content in English. And if you don't have a dedicated YouTube channel that you watch to practice your English skills, or if you don't read any blog posts, and if you don't really know where to go and what to read on the internet to practice your English skills, you can join the community of practice where I do the job of curating content for daring learners who want to achieve native-like fluency in English. You can pick any exercise in the community and it's going to be good for you. Trust me. I curate the content, but I never insist that you stick to the content that I select. You can have a look at what we do, what content we work with. You can choose the things you like. You can ignore the things you don't like. Maybe you will understand the principles and the structure so that you're able to, to select the things that you like. Maybe you're going to find YouTube channels or TV shows or podcasts that you want to subscribe to and you want to work with on a regular basis. Everybody needs to take care of their English-speaking environment themselves. I am showing to you what I do, what I listen to, what I watch, what I read, but I don't insist that you do the same. What I can guarantee is that every exercise in the community is designed in accordance with a methodology to achieve native-like fluency. And if you do any of the exercises in the community of practice, it will benefit you and you will move closer to the desired outcome, which is better fluency and hopefully native-like fluency. When you do any of the exercises, you will be practicing either of the nine essential skills. And if you want to choose the exercises to help you with brevity, you can browse through our hashtags, select hashtag brevity, and you will find a dedicated list of exercises to practice just brevity. Go and explore. And once you have selected the type of content you want to work with, 
or once you have selected the exercise that you want to do today, you want to sit down and take your time to understand that content. Don't hurry to summarize the book you're reading before you finish reading it. Don't hurry to summarize the article that you don't fully understand. Don't hurry to summarize the email that you haven't had a chance to read attentively. You only had a chance to glance over it. Don't hurry to summarize the podcast episode if you only listened to the beginning of the episode. The art of brevity requires understanding. We can become great at the skill of being brief and succinct and clear only if we genuinely understand the information we're dealing with. If you don't understand it, you will not be able to summarize it. Or you will summarize your interpretation of what you think it is about. But you will end up changing the information. Changing information is very different from summarizing information. Your summary needs to be factual. Once you're confident that you understand the information you're looking at, or you're listening to, or you're watching, grab pen and paper and write down what you understand. Don't worry about writing too much. Don't worry about writing incorrect sentences. Just write. Because because it's the most difficult task to capture your own thoughts and to transfer them on paper. Your first draft may be ugly, messy, and by no means brief. You can end up writing a whole page. You can end up writing long-winded sentences, confusing paragraphs. Whatever you write is precious. Remember about this. First, you write. And then, you take your time to distance yourself from your writing. And you come back to it when you're ready to edit. You might want to go to the kitchen and have a cup of coffee or a cup of tea. You might want to go to bed and come back to the text the next day. You might want to take a walk. Some people like to come back to their text the next day. Some people like to do this 20 minutes after they wrote their first draft. Some people like to come back to their text next week. But I recommend that you don't wait too long because you will have to watch or listen to or read that content again if you wait too long. You will have forgotten everything. And you don't want to do this work twice. When you're ready to edit, sit down and edit mercilessly. Ask yourself, is this a sentence fragment or a sentence? If you don't know what the difference is, go to our community of practice. You'll find that information there. We do a lot of exercises to understand what a good sentence looks like. Or simply Google sentence structure. Simple sentence, compound sentence, complex sentence. Google the differences between a run-on sentence and a sentence fragment. Here, you want to make sure that you write completed sentences. You don't want to write sentence fragments. If you're new to this, Google what is a sentence fragment and how do I avoid using sentence fragments. That will be enough. Do a few exercises to practice that and you'll be good. The next important thing you want to pay attention to when you edit your writing is your verbs and your adjectives. Are my verbs strong enough? Are my adjectives helping my listeners or my readers or even myself see, imagine, experience and feel the things that I'm talking about? 
Will anybody who hasn't read the extended version understand what it is about by looking at or reading or listening to my brief version? That's the only question I ask myself. Will people who haven't read the full version understand the main idea by looking at the brief version? Continue editing and remove all the words that you can afford to remove. What do I mean by that? I mean that if you remove these words from your sentences, your sentence will not suffer. This is how you achieve brevity, by eliminating unnecessary words. And of course, pay attention to the length of your text. If you're very new to this exercise, I suggest that you start by writing no more than one paragraph. Sometimes it's also good to write just one sentence. Trust me, it's enough. Try to summarize your day in just one sentence. Try to summarize the blog post that you have read in just one sentence. Sometimes you don't really need to write more than one sentence. Sometimes one paragraph is way too much. But don't write more than one paragraph. Because if you do, editing might be very painful, and the distance between where you're at now and the desired outcome might increase, which is not what you probably want. Finally, read your edited version out loud. Listen to yourself. Does it make sense to you? If you have an opportunity to have someone else listen to your reading, read your summary to someone else. Ask them if they understand you. Ask them if they see the meaning, if they can hear it. You can also come to our community of practice, share the link to the source that you are working with, and share your summary. And we will all give you feedback. We will tell you if it actually makes sense. I'm investing every day in developing this community for daring learners because I understand now that the things I'm talking about are so difficult for many people to practice alone. And we're not supposed to practice alone. There is only so much that we can do on our own. And everybody has their own areas of excellence. Everybody is great at something. But there are certain things that are so much better when done together. Learning is a byproduct of practice, which means we have to invest in continuous practice. That's way more important. And this is what I invest in every single day of this year. I'm investing my time and my effort in creating this dedicated space, this dedicated place for daring learners who understand the importance of continuous practice and who want to participate, who want to share, who want to practice, because they see the benefits for themselves, because they also understand that achieving mastery requires continuous practice. There is no way around it. Try this exercise and let me know how you did. You can always post your results in the community of practice. The space is open to everybody who wants to practice. Of course, we have paid spaces. They are locked only for the community members. But we also have a bunch of free spaces where everybody can engage in a conversation, come and share their results. You can also comment on any of my podcast episodes in the community of practice. And I will read the comments only there. I will not read or see the comments on any other platforms. Remember that if you want to practice brevity in English, you want to continuously do these two exercises. You want to be paying attention to how native speakers articulate their thoughts, 
those native speakers that you want to learn from, not just everybody. And you want to continuously practice summarizing everything. (laughs) Every good piece of content that you come across, summarize it. You had a great day? Perfect. Summarize it in one sentence. If you were to tweet about your day, what would your tweet look like? What would you say? You look out the window, you see a beautiful view, summarize it. You watched an interesting YouTube video, summarize it. You received a weird email, summarize it. What's the problem? What's confusing about it? You read a good book, summarize it. You listened to an interesting episode, summarize the main idea of the episode for yourself. You read a thought-provoking article, summarize it. What's the gist? What was the message there? And trust me, the more often you do that, the easier it will come. Practice being attentive, not only to native speakers, but to yourself. And get better at the skill of editing and self-editing. We have a video in our community of practice, which is titled Self-Editing Tools for Better Writing Skills, where I walk you through 40-plus self-editing tools, and all of them are free and easy to find on the internet. And I am explaining to you how to use them to edit your own thoughts in writing. Make sure you learn the self-editing tool so that editing feels less painful. And you know what to pay attention to when you craft your own sentences. Because apart from developing the skill of being attentive, we also need to be developing an eye for clear sentences. We need to make sure what a sentence fragment is to be able to avoid it. We need to make sure what a sentence fragment is, what a run-on sentence is, so that we can avoid it. We need to understand what clear writing feels like. That's why take my advice, read more. Read more of good content. Don't just read anything. Read the things that you enjoy reading. Read content that makes you think, that gives you some food for thought. Practice unfolding stories and squeezing them in a very short summary. And trust me, it will all come to you if you are kind to yourself, if you are patient with yourself, and if you enjoy the process. Practice routine can be sustainable only if it brings joy. You are responsible for your own levels of joy. Make sure you work with the content that you enjoy. Make sure you surround yourself with people who you enjoy talking to. And make sure that you love and enjoy seeing your own results. I'll see you in the next episodes. Enjoy your practice.